The uh, topic before us is to accept one another. And uh, those that are honest in our midst will say that we have trouble with some people in that regard. And uh, if you don't know that, um, I'm sorry. I hope the Holy Spirit will show you that today. Uh, Several weeks ago, I distributed a a sheet called, uh, I had on the heading, One Anothering, in which I gathered all the various one anothering verses in the uh, New Testament, particularly uh, forgive one another, exhort one another, rebuke one another, uh, uh, help one another, all those kinds of statements. And uh, this uh, message this morning is uh, a part of that little mini-series I wanted to give you uh, kind of on my way out, you might say. Um, and, and the root of what I'm trying to say is that the gospel, the good news of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ, tells us how to be saved, um, but it tells us also how to live. Uh, it shows us what a saved kind of life looks like. Uh, it's doing what the gospel tells us to do. And so my text this morning will be uh, verse 7 of uh, Romans 15, but I want to read some in verse uh, 14, uh, to, uh, chapter 14 rather, to, to tee it up for this verse in chapter 15. And um, let me just tell you ahead of time that the, uh, the various translations of this Except I said it uh, in the uh, ESV, it says, welcome one another as God has welcomed you. Um, the uh, NIV and the New American Standard use accept one another. Uh, the old uh, American Standard version, the 1901 American Standard and the New King James say, receive one another as God has received you. I'll say more about that in a few minutes. Let's pray, and then I want to read a few verses in chapter 14, and then some in 15, and then we'll have a look at it. Father God, thank you that your word is relevant. Uh, It speaks to us as we are today, even though it was written so long ago. And I pray, Lord, that it would speak to us individually and corporately today. Um, I pray that uh, it won't just be in our heads, but it'll be in our hearts And that it won't just be information, but it'll be transformative. That it'll change us. And so we ask that the spirit that inspired these words would would bring them to life uh, today in this place. That you would illuminate them to our understanding. And and you would use a wretchedly sinful, crooked stick like me, me, to show the narrow way of the Lord Jesus. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in Romans 14 at verse 1, read about four verses here, and then we'll skip down and read some others. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. One person believes he may eat anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. And he doesn't mean weak physically, he means weak of conscience. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. 
Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls, and he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Skip down, please, to verse 10. Romans 14 at verse 10. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block, stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. Chapter 15 now at verse 1. Chapter 15 at verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good and build him up. For Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the approaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Amen. The grass withers and the flowers fade. This is God's word. It won't fade. It will abide forever and forever. Uh, the text is verse 7. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. To some extent, we all worry about being accepted by other people. Um, I was born in Meridian, Mississippi. Uh, I was the younger kid in a block where most of the kids were older. And so the question was, how would the runt Carter fit in? Would they accept me? When I was 10, we moved to Brookhaven, Mississippi, sweet little town about an hour south of Jackson. Uh, I was the new kid in the neighborhood. I was the new kid at school. Would they accept me? Would I fit in? In high school, I didn't play football, and uh, I played tennis, and I wore glasses. You know, I was a four-eyed tennis player, as they say. And I didn't run with the cool crowd. Would I have any standing at school? In ministry, I have not curried the favor of the famous and the ecclesiastically powerful. Would I have a place at the table? At age 68, for crying out loud, I moved to Portland, Oregon. You know, 2,500 miles from everything I knew. Would I fit in? If would I fit in? No doubt you could write your list there, right? You could come up with your own things, own places, maybe a job you took, a neighborhood you moved to, or something of the sort like these. Will I fit in? Will I fit is there a place for me? There are local church equivalents of those things. 
So somebody moves into Newburgh, Oregon, in the heart of wine country, and they think, but I don't drink wine. Will I fit in? I don't smoke cigars. Will I fit in? I don't immerse by baptism. Will others accept me? I'm not pre-mill or post-mill. I'm new to this church. I didn't go to college, and I feel like everybody else did. I feel like I'm the out person. I'm not an Oregon duck. I'm not an OSU beaver. Who am I? Do I fit? Well, you could go on and on and on with a list like that, but in the face of these and all such questions, God tells believers to accept one another as He has accepted us for His glory. What does that mean? And why is it for His glory? I want to dig deep on this, what it means, how it applies. And I want to begin by asking you to notice that in verse 7, it begins with the word, therefore. And I know you've been told a hundred times, I'll tell you again though, when you see a therefore in the Scriptures, you ask yourselves, what's it there for? In other words, what came before it that makes it relevant as a conclusion to what just came Above and, and I read a little bit of that. There's this discussion in the early church as there is today. There were people that were vegetarians and people that said, you're crazy, you should eat meat. And there were people that drank wine and people that didn't drink wine. And there were people like this and the others that were the opposite. These are what the theologians call the adiaphora. They are the things indifferent. These are things that people of goodwill and with a very high view of Scripture, at the end of the day, they can differ on them. People of good faith differ on what the Scriptures teach and what they ought to do in regard to things like this. And, and there is freedom of conscience in regard to these. I'll have a bit more to say about that in a minute. Okay, look at verse 7 after the therefore, because... If we had read all of verse 14, and I'd taken 15, 20 minutes to kind of give you the background, it might have helped, but I would have lost in the process, so I didn't want to do that, right? Okay, so um, what does it mean in, in verse 7 to accept? Therefore, welcome one another, accept one another. Um, I, want to, I want to use, I don't use this, do this kind of thing often, but I want to do it because I think you can, you, it'll, it'll help at least some of you to understand what's going on. The Greek word for accept there or welcome is paralambano. Paralambano. Lambano means to take. And para, think of this, paralegal, paramedic. What's a paralegal? What's a paramedic? Well, a paramedic is somebody that works kind of alongside the medics. A paralegal works alongside the, the lawyer. And, and this word means to take to oneself, to take to your side, uh, to take beside you as a companion or an associate, something like that. can also mean to receive kindly or hospitably. It means to take others who are different from you into your church, into your prayer group, into your small group, into your Bible study, into Women's Connect, into Men's Connect, into your fellowship, into your house, into your home, into your heart. Not just tolerate, but accept. Bring to your side. 
Not just bear the burdens, but to warmly welcome from the heart. In short, it means what? To love. To love. But here it says, accept or welcome one another. Who? Who are we to welcome? I want to give you a couple of lists uh, and a couple of ways to look at it. Uh, welcome those as brothers and sisters in Christ who are in proximity to you theologically and geographically. What do I mean by theological proximity? Well, if somebody believes that God exists eternally in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, these three are one God, the same in substance, equal in power and glory. If somebody believes that Jesus is fully God and fully man, the dual natures of Christ. If someone believes that we're saved by grace through faith, if someone believes that Jesus died as a substitute, that he lived as a substitute, that he was raised from the dead, that he ascended into heaven, that he will come back and judge the living and the dead. If somebody believes that salvation is for the glory of God first and foremost, things like that things that are the crucial core of the Christian faith, the things without which you cannot be a Christian and with which you are a Christian, even if you have major differences on peripheral issues. What do I mean by geographical proximity? Well, it seems to me that the Scriptures teach we've got a greater obligation to love those and accept those and welcome those that are in our neighborhood. So if a Christian lives down the street, they believe all those basics of the Christian faith, you need to get along with that person. Accept that person. Welcome that person. Receive that person to your side. Same is true in the city and state and nation. I'll say more about that in a minute. Thirdly, why are we to welcome them this way? What is to motivate us? And it's clear that it's the welcome of Christ. Welcome one another as Christ welcomed you. Look back up in chapter 14 if you've got your Bible open. For as, the one who is weak, as, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. And then you jump down to the end of verse 3 of chapter 14. For God has welcomed him. You see, God has welcomed him. The for, that's the reason. So there's a vegetarian in your church that drives you crazy. By the way, I don't even know who the vegetarians are out there, so if you think I'm picking on you or anybody, I'm not, you know, I, I, and, and it doesn't matter according to this text, okay? So just listen. So welcome him, for God has welcomed him. Those with different views, God welcomed them. God loves vegetarians and he loves carnivores. Yeah. That's true. Well, what's the nature of God's welcome of us? Well, I've already mentioned this, the meaning of the word is to bring to your side and, and embrace and into your home and into your heart and into your life and into your small group and into your church. And God welcomes us that way and he justifies us. He declares us not guilty. He adopts us into his family. And so then he commands us. I've welcomed you. You welcome that other person. That's, that's, a, that's an imperative welcome one another. It's not say, well, you know, you might want to do that every now and then. No, it's a, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a command which indicates that our hearts have changed. Now look, the way I used to say this when I was preaching in Alabama is I used to say, it's a larger group, but I'm sure it's true here. I just, I don't know who it is. You know, I, I used to say, look, 
There's somebody in this room that's a member of this church that you probably wish wasn't in this room, right? You probably wish they were in another church. And, and you may even think they're a jerk. And they may think you're a jerk, right? No big deal, right? Do you get that? We all struggle to accept somebody. And when you struggle to accept other people because they're different from you, maybe they didn't take a bath, maybe they didn't go to school as long as you went to school, maybe whatever. I'll get some more of that in a minute. They're not like you. See, we self-love means we like people like us. Mm. Yeah, really? Think of this. So if God used the standards of acceptance toward me that I use toward other people, where would I be? Oh. Oh. You mean those people that I think are wrong, those people I think are jerks, those people I wish weren't in this church because they're not this and not that and not that and they are this. and are. What if God took that attitude toward me? Where would I be? i tell you where I'd be. Out of here. Right? Right. Absolutely. Why? Because I am so incredibly different from God. So let's say between you and those people you can't like or accept or receive or welcome, let's say the gap between you and them, whatever is the cause of the gap, okay? Let's say the gap between you and them is this much, okay? How much is the gap between you and God? I can't stretch my arms any further than this, but it's bigger than that, right? Oh. Think, well, what if... Where would I be if God applied those standards to me? How much are we to welcome other Christians? That is, to what degree? And the answer, of course, is as Christ has welcomed us in spite of positions on non-essential disputed matters. Food, drink, Meat, vegetables, religious festivals, Christmas, Easter. You read Romans 14, you read 1 Corinthians 8, you read 1 Corinthians chapter 10. There are all these discussions, all these debates in the early church about people that had different views about things indifferent. Things about disputed, non-essential doctrine like baptism in the end times. In spite of our past and present sins, we are to accept and welcome other people. Um, it's an interesting story in the book of Philemon, the little book, you know, it's one of those one-chapter books uh, in the Bible, and this is uh, the, the, the book that's right before the book of Hebrews. Um, Philemon uh, had a slave named Onesimus, and Onesimus had run away, and Onesimus had been caught and put in prison. And when he was in prison, he was in prison with a fellow named Paul. <laughs> and Onesimus got converted while he was in prison. Oh. And so Paul sent Onesimus back to Philemon. And he says in verse 17, So if you consider me your partner, receive him, receive Onesimus, welcome Onesimus, the same Greek word, 
welcome him, receive him, take him to your side as you would receive me. Now, the, 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 the arm twist in that is that Philemon had become a Christian under Paul's ministry too. And so Paul is saying, look, I'm sitting on Nesimus' back. You welcome him like you welcome me. Put it on my account if he owes you anything. In spite of his past sins. And look, we all struggle with sin. Theft, false witness, hate, rebellion, tail-bearing, greed, sexual sins, on and on. In spite of, not only of our sins and not only in spite of different positions and doctrine and things indifferent, but also in spite of our different purposes. Um, I preached a while back on spiritual gifts, and um, our gifts differ. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And, and, and because our gifts differ, God's purposes for my life differ from his purposes from some other people's lives. And yet, God has a good plan. And so, if you think, well, everybody's supposed to be like me, that's just arrogant. Because nobody, and everybody couldn't be just like you unless they had your background, unless they had your spiritual gifting. So in spite of different purposes, in spite of different gifts, in spite of differences in our persons, gender, male and female, race, black, white, red, yellow, education, uh, educated or uneducated, wealth, wealthy or not educated, social standing, nationality, nationality. Paul uses this same word in Acts 28 when he shipwrecked on an island and it says the native people showed us unusual kindness for they kindled a fire and welcomed us because it had begun to rain and was cold. In spite of differences of age, in spite of differences of health, in spite of differences of physical appearance, in spite of handicap. We had this wonderful guy in the church in Birmingham named Harvey. Um, wonderful guy, except he was profoundly influenced or impacted by cerebral palsy. Um, he, he actually knew R.C. Sproul on a first-name basis. He, he had actually been to Ligonier when Ligonier Study Center was still in western Pennsylvania before it moved to, to uh, Florida. And, and, um, but Harvey, if he walked in this room, everybody would see Harvey. Everybody would notice Harvey. Uh, everybody would, uh, in time, grow to love Harvey, I believe. Um, and the truth of the matter is this, and this is, this is, I really mean this. We needed Harvey more than Harvey needed us. Because Harvey stretched us in ways we needed to be stretched. And that's one of the reasons God has people in your life that are different from you and just drive you crazy. And so he can stretch you and conform you to the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, friend, you're driving God crazy in one sense of the word, right? Yeah. Why are we to welcome these people? Well, it says for the glory of God. Now, some of this I've touched on before, but I'm going to get it again. You know the story about the preacher that preached the same sermon every Sunday because he said, well, they didn't get it last time, you know. So I'm, when you get this, I'll quit saying it. No, I'm kidding. Look, the, what's the world's way of unity? What's the world's way of unity? Um, I, I've got 
uh, neighbors that play at country clubs. Three of them, they all at different country clubs. I don't know why, but they're all at different country clubs. And, and the, of course, the rule is, you, you got how do you get along at a country club? Well, just be like everybody else. Dress like them, drive a fancy car, do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do that. The world's way of unity is be like me and I will accept you. Be unlike me and I will reject you. God's way of unity is fundamentally different. And he's after that kind of unity. Look at verse 6, right above verse 7 that I've been preaching from. That together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he wants them to be unified in their worship. Just like when we get to glory in heaven and worship God eternally... There will be all these different characters that perfectly love one another. Sally and I were in New York City two weeks after the Twin Towers came down. It's a long story why her, she had an aunt, aunt, cousin, cousin, sorry, <laughs> had a cousin that had a condo that, or flat that had let us use it and we'd been planned for a long time and we were trying to debate, should we go, you know, or not go? I mean, you could, the, the fires were still burning at the towers, and I said, yes, we should go. It would be the safest time in the world to go. The jet, the jet that flew us, huh? And our son lived there, right, yeah. And so we, we, we flew in about six people on the plane. You've never seen any, never been on a flight like this. And we went to Redeemer PCA on, on Sunday night service there, and you just wouldn't believe it. Thousands of people, Asians. Blacks, whites, young, old. Huge amount of diversity. Beautiful, beautiful. One, one, one August Sunday, we were in Rome, and we went to the Baptist church. Don't tell anybody in the PCA. I went to the Baptist church, and the Baptist church had people there from North Africa, and here it was English-speaking, and, and it was the most diverse worship service I've ever been in. By far. Beautiful. It's, it's a foretaste of heaven. That, that people that are so different, things that don't really matter, with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. How does God accept us? Because of who we are or in spite of who we are? Well, that's easy. In spite of who we are. And we'd accept one another in spite of what the other person is. And they accept us in spite of what we are. And when we accept people that way, it shows other people that Jesus makes a difference in your life. So Jesus prayed in John 17, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, that the world may know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. Some of you know I got a, a PhD in apologetics. Here's apologetics in John 17. How can I prove to the world that Jesus is the Christ? 
How can I prove to the world that Jesus makes a difference? How can I, how can I prove it to the world? Have a loving, unified, diverse church of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how. He says, Jesus said, so that the world may believe that you have sent me, so that the world may know that you have sent me. That proves it to the world. That's the ultimate apologetic, one of the ultimate apologetics. It shows that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is a global God, not just a tribal deity like the gods of the pagans. God commands that we accept or welcome or receive one another as Christ has received us, so, and we do that for the glory of God. Now, don't begin with the command. Begin with the gospel. The gospel of God's acceptance of you. Remember, as Christ has welcomed you, in spite of what you think, in spite of your past, present, and future sins, in spite of your gifts and abilities or lack thereof, in spite of our persons. And let that gospel acceptance work on in your hearts. Then, and only then, will you be able to do what the gospel tells you to do and accept others that you think are really weird and really misfits. But you accept them from the heart because God accepts them as he accepts you from the heart. When you do that, God will be glorified and you will find the joy that your heart is longing for at this very moment. Let's pray. Lord our God, uh, thank you that you have accepted us in spite of the fact that we are so infinitely different from you. Uh, we're different from you in wealth. We're different from you in knowledge. We're different from you in any imaginable way, except that we're made in your image. And we thank you, Lord, that you have brought us alongside of you. You have received us. You've welcomed us. You've accepted us. And we're to use that same gospel standard of acceptance with others. Help us to do that. To show the world that you are the Christ that you have come in the flesh, that you made a difference in the world. We pray in your name. Amen.